This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The red light is on. The only thing I know about engineering and technology is from the Brady Bunch. Remember when the red light went on? That means the microphone of the camera is on, and it wasn't on. Now it's on. Now we got a show. Thank you, everybody. Whew. Uh, sorry about that. What happened? What happened? It doesn't matter. All right, we can turn that music down. And um, welcome. It's, uh, hey, we've got a real problem in New Jersey. My God, what is happening? Two New Jersey lawmakers, both Republicans, shot and killed within a week. Hello? What? Why Why aren't we having a national address? Where is this coming from? Uh, could they be militant uh, Antifa types who are targeting Republicans? I'd like to know. It's, there's been hardly anything about this. I'll guarantee you if Democrats, two Democrats in less than a week, two Democrat public office holders killed, not just a protest outside there, but killed, I think we'd be hearing nonstop about MAGA and white supremacy, right? MAGA, white supremacist, all that stuff. Oh, the big lie. You guys brought this on because you talk about the big lie. I mean, look, I don't like accusing the other side. They can say whatever they want. Lunatics are going to be lunatics. And from time to time, they're going to do crazy stuff. Uh, They want us to rearrange how we speak. What did Joe Biden say? The language. That man who hurt uh, Paul Pelosi used the same language. The same, very same language as what we heard on January 6th. Yeah, English. English. Um, all right. Hello, everybody. It's um, The month is cruising on by Burt Bacharach, dead at the age of, how old was he, 93? It's so weird. And it, the mind works in crazy ways. I was thinking about him last night, and I Googled him last last night. I, I, I had a feeling he was alive because uh, I would have remembered if he had died. I just knew it. So I, but, and I'm like, what? I was thinking about him last night, and I Googled him, and then I remembered he was married to Angie Dickinson. She's still alive. Remember her? Total hottie. Policewoman, all that stuff. Um, why did I think of them? And I'll tell you why I thought of them. It's just interesting how the mind goes, you know, from place to place to place to place to place. And it gets right back to my TV show tonight. Guess who's coming on? George Santos, Republican of Long Island. Yeah, the congressman. He's coming on my TV show. He only wants to talk to me. And I think I know why, by the way. I think I know why. More on that in a moment. But last night I was thinking, oh, I know why. Here it is. Because uh, Mitt Romney was mean to him. Mitt Romney was... uh, a total jerk. He could have cut the guy some slack. I did this whole thing. You may have seen at the State of the Union, um, uh, George Santos was standing where Elliot Engel normally stands. You know, you get to meet people and get to see the president stand right there as all the all the uh, the leaders come parading through. All the senators come parading through. And then Mitt Romney comes parading through. And he accuses George Santos of 
being on parade when the guy's just sitting in his seat. I don't. <laughs> he wasn't on parade. You were on parade. And what does Mitt Romney do? Mitt Romney, with all of his wealth, with all of his status, with all of his accomplishments, right? What did he? What would he do? Well, he meets. He comes face to face with George Santos. I would hope. I would think. Just cut the guy some slack. Maybe even talk to him. Maybe even try to figure out what's going on with him. Hey, you're George Santos, right? It's, everyone's talking about you. The, the cameras follow you wherever you go. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot on your plate there, young man. Why don't you have uh, call my office? Let's have coffee, or I'll call your office. Do you know how many places there are to have coffee on Capitol Hill? Roughly ten thousand. They've got <laughs> they've got offices, then outer offices, and inner offices, and then they've got hideaway offices. Literally, they're called hideaway offices. That Capitol is huge. You can have like fifty thousand people. It's for five hundred and thirty-five people. Capacity fifty thousand. It is huge. So many little places. Okay, Mitt. I'm not saying you got to pal around on the camera. Uh, in front of the cameras with the guy. But what about trying to get to know him? And then I I first felt this way during the McCarthy. Remember when they're trying to figure out, is McCarthy going to be speaker or not? And he was just sitting there alone, George, uh, George Santos. You know, George Santos is in some trouble. He's taking some heat because he, uh, I don't know the full extent of it. Looks like he exaggerated, maybe flat out lied. Um not nearly as many lies as Joe Biden, oh, by the way. And in my opinion, not nearly as serious as the one told by Senator Blumenthal of Connecticut, who stole an honor situation, said he served in Vietnam when he didn't. But he gets to, is anybody hassling him, hounding him to leave office? No. But they're just picking on this brand new congressman from Long Island, who, oh, by the way, uh, if you're interested in oversight and you're interested in, uh, you know, conservatives and pushing back against the woke mob, hey, thank God this guy chose to run and win. He won. That's a Democrat seat. George Santos uh, succeeded was it Tom Swazi and beat another very powerful Democrat for that seat. He's a Republican now. He helped make McCarthy McCarthy speaker. Anyway. I was just blown away that in the House of Representatives, the Senate, all these guys, it didn't seem like to me anybody was showing him some love. And by that, I mean brotherly love. You know who did, by the way? I think Matt Gates. Matt Gates had him on his podcast. And he wasn't a jerk. He wasn't like all out to attack him and embarrass him. He was, he was genuinely curious about the guy. I'm genuinely curious about the guy. Now, there are some questions to ask. Okay, what's going on with you? And what about these investigations and, okay, what's true, what's not true? I am curious about that stuff, but I'm also curious about what it felt like in that moment because I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but I've been in that moment. I've been in the moment surrounded by people where you feel totally and completely alone. I too, I'm trying to think. I know there was one moment, I, I, I don't want to get emotional about it, but I mean, I'm serious, I will. I, I felt so unbelievably sad because I was so lonely. And fortunately, you know, it only happened, you know, twice. it's not happened a lot, but surrounded by people. I felt that way in high school a couple of times. And that's what it looked like they were treating him like, you know, just nobody wanted to talk to him, the cool kids. Nobody even wanted to be seen with him. So I talked about this on Twitter. I talked about it on my TV show. And what did, uh, what did Mitt Romney say? Uh, it's funny. Mitt Romney has words with George Santos. 
And Mitt Romney afterwards is mobbed by 50 cameras and reporters wanting to know what happened. I mean, even people who... George Santos has a mob of cameras, a media mob around him. And people who just talk to him for 10 seconds, they get a mob, uh, a media mob around them as well. And what did Mitt Romney say? Let's see. Listen to this. Cut 41. I don't know the exact words I said. He shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't be in the... the, Look, he's a sick puppy. Uh, he, he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be there. I didn't expect that he'd be standing there, trying to shake hands with every senator in the president of the United States. It's, uh, given given the fact that he's under ethics investigation, he should be sitting in the back row and staying quiet. He says he, uh, you know, that he embellished his record. Look, embellishing is saying you got an A when you get an A minus. Lying is saying you you graduated from a college you didn't even attend. And, and he shouldn't be in Congress. And uh, they're going to go through the process and hopefully get him out. And uh, But he shouldn't be there. And, and uh, if he had any shame at all, he wouldn't be there. If you had any decency at all, you wouldn't jump on the mainstream media bandwagon and give this guy even more grief. You should have you should have offered your hand and said, young man, I know Washington pretty well. I might be able to help. Let's talk. Seems like you got a lot on your plate. Because Mitt Romney, hey, oh, by the way, all those issues that he talked about, he should be addressing them if he's really fired up about people lying. Uh, Didn't Joe Biden tell us he went to Delaware State? And he didn't. Joe Biden said he has three undergraduate degrees. He doesn't. Um, I actually think that uh, as far as Santos goes, it said he graduated from Baruch, but he only attended. That's... uh, I don't know. He's got to get a lot busier with his lies, George Santos, if he ever wants to be something in Washington, okay? He's got to lie a lot more if he wants to be a United States senator or a vice president or president someday. All right, look, there are some issues with him, and we'll go through them tonight. But I just would expect a little bit more. You know, Mitt Romney, my goodness gracious, this guy is such a tough guy, tough guy, calling him a sick puppy. Mitt Romney who couldn't even stand up to Candy Crowley in that debate. Do you remember the Candy Crowley moment? Oh, gosh. He should, that's where you needed some. That's where you needed Trump. Only Rosie O'Donnell, because you'd be in jail. No, what happened with Mitt? He just put his head down and went back to his corner. Like a loser. Like a wimp. And getting back to what you, just, what you said last night, Mitt, calling somebody a sick puppy. Well, I do also remember... When you were trying to pretend, when you were trying, you were pretending you were something you were not. Because you were a little bit afraid of evangelical Christians or whatever. And only when you wanted their vote did you really talk about faith. And uh, you laid it on thick, in my opinion. Cut 42. My values are as American as you'll find anywhere. Fundamentally, I believe in God. I believe in the Bible. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Savior. Said that kind of quick and nervously and doesn't really say it all that much. I don't know. Uh, and he said it in the heat of a political campaign. Hmm. 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 Look, nobody's perfect. All right. <laughs> nobody's perfect. But and politics is tough. But Mitt Romney has an elevator in his garage. He has an elevator in his garage, beachfront property. He's got homes in California, Utah, Massachusetts, New Hampshire. He's a billionaire. Uh, Let's see. He's already been elected governor. He was the Republican nominee in 2012. He was elected senator, I think, is it twice now, from 
from Utah? <laughs> Utah where, how does Utah come in the picture? I thought you were the governor of Massachusetts. He's a dilettante. All right? He just a... Uh, and you couldn't cut this guy some slack. Just a little bit of compassion. No. That's why you never became president. You won't stick your neck out for anybody. You won't break a sweat for this country. It's all about you, your prestige, your status, your wealth. How about sharing it? How about sharing it, huh? Oh, well. Uh, So George Santos will be on the show tonight. And I think just for that, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give him a copy of my book. Give him a copy of my book. Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. Uh, I've been on the podcast and TV show circuit uh, all over Newsmax, going on the Sean Spicer show later to talk about this, to talk about, uh, and you know what I talk about? The FBI, the abuse from the FBI. This is a pro-law enforcement book. But when it comes to the FBI, they have so lost their way. I never thought, three years ago, it would have been almost unthinkable for me to be openly mocking the FBI, which I do now with great relish. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. You guys brought it on yourselves. Uh, let's see here. What does FBI really stand for? I know I tried. I, I came up with a bunch of good ones the other day. Uh, and uh, let's see here. We've got we got a bunch, okay? Uh, forever blowing it. FBI, forever blowing it. You know they do blow it a lot. They're always just, they're just two minutes behind. Uh, frantically bothering the innocent. Forgetting basic instructions. And Friends of Biden Incorporated. Those are pretty snappy. Um, I'll work on them. Be right back. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I'm getting all kinds of media inquiries because I'm talking to George Santos tonight. Everybody relax. Relax, he got to Congress 10 minutes ago. It's a he's a big deal story because the Democrats, you know, they're feasting on it. They want to make him appear bigger than he is because... They think he's vulnerable. They can, and it distracts from Joe Biden's problem. It doesn't distract me from Joe Biden's problems and his issues. And boy, oh boy, does he have issues. I am, uh, you know, the, the State of the Union was horrendous. But the, what happened the next day? See, he was a little high on his own supply. He really thought he did a good job, so he he decided, oh well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do an interview. I'm gonna do an interview, uh, sit down interview with Judy Woodruff. You know her from Channel 13. Always kind of had a thing for her, to be honest. Um, but she's kind of, well, she's a bit fake newsy. I met her once down in, where the hell was that? Downtown um, at a Bill Clinton event. Just, I was covering it, you know what I mean? And I saw her and and uh, she was very nice. Anyway, uh, here she is talking to Joe Biden. Now listen to what he says, the China balloon. Everybody's worried about the China balloon. We really were. This guy, if he's not compromised, well... Check it out. Cut 21. Have relations now between the U.S. and China taken a big hit? No. No. How do you know? I know. I talked to him. You've talked to Xi Jinping? I talked to Xi Jinping before. I 
And our, our team talks to their people. During this and yeah, since? Yeah, after this. I haven't talked to them during this. Oh. But look, I mean, <laughs> the idea of shooting down a balloon that's gathering information over America um, and uh, is and that break that t makes relations worse. Look, I made it real clear to Xi Jinping that uh, we're going to compete fully with China, but we're not going to look. We're not looking for conflict, and uh, and that's been the case so far. Wow! 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 The idea. That a balloon collecting information, surveillance of us is going to make relations worse? <laughs> what the hell? A violation of our national security is going to make matters worse? You're damn right, you dummy. And it gets worse from there. All right, uh, give me a call. I'll be back in a moment. Thank you. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ooh, Hunter Biden opened uh, his Washington, D.C. office to a China-backed firm. Imagine that, huh? Wow. That's, I think that's why Joe Biden is so, uh, so reluctant to criticize the Chinese, because they've got dirt on them. <laughs> that's how I feel. You know, that's, uh, you connect the dots. They're right there. The, con the dots create an unmistakable picture of Joe Biden and Hunter <laughs> a wash in cash from China. That's what it looks like. I really. Uh, all right. So he had a big night on uh, Tuesday, right? The State of the Union. His friends say he did a good job. He didn't. Um, but they pumped him up with all kinds of vitamins. And the next day he totally crashes. And goes right back to. Uh, well, not right back. He was lying that night. And here he is uh, lying a little bit more. Cut 22. You said just possessing classified documents is, you said, totally irresponsible. So what was totally irresponsible about the fact that you had some? What they've informed me not to speak to this issue to any way, try to prejudice the investigation that's going on. Yeah, it sounds like he, wow, he's talking to his lawyers. His lawyers won't let him say anything. His lawyers won't let him talk. He's in trouble. He's in big trouble. Uh, let's see here. Then there's, uh, what did they find in the house? Now, here he is. Look, how could I know what the FBI found in his house and he doesn't? How can that be? Here he is. He's either lying or he is totally demented. It's, it's uh, either one. You tell me, this is, in, he's about to say something that's untrue. Cut 23. I made voluntarily, no one's had to threaten to do anything. Voluntarily opened every single aperture I have with the house, offices, everything, for them to come and look and spend hours searching my home, invited them. Nobody, and so, and the best of my knowledge, the kinds of things they picked up were things that from 1974, and stray papers. There may be something else I don't know. Wow. Wow. No, it's um, he's not demented, and he thinks he's getting the best of us. You know that? 1974. Well, I know from his lawyers that some of these documents, these classified documents, go back to his vice presidency, which isn't all that long ago. 
1974 is 49 years ago. His vice presidency? Let's see. That is, uh, that's six years ago. I know that from his lawyer. His lawyer put out a statement that some of these documents, yes, concern days in the United States Senate and his vice presidency. But did you see how he put it? Uh, to the best of my knowledge, as far as I know, that's, that's, that's his way out. That's what these guys do. It's really horrible. 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 Um, it is, actually. And he has no respect for us. None. You lie to people you don't respect. He, he thinks we can't catch him. He's acting like it's 1973. You know, people have smartphones. We can Google stuff and find stuff out, okay? You could actually walk into a room in 1973 in northern Delaware and tell lies about what you did in southern Delaware and get away with it. You did it all the time. It's no, like, who's going who's gonna to tell on you? If there's a reporter in the room, like, are they going to be able to Google things and figure it out? Oh, Joe says he went to Delaware State. I guess he went to Delaware State. Joe said you get away with it back then. You can't get away with it generally at the presidential level. Joe found that out in 1987. Uh, let's see, FBI agents, uh, FBI agents sabotaged Hunter Biden probe. FBI agents sabotaged Hunter Biden probe. Yeah, yeah, they sure did. The FBI is now committed to performing errands, personal errands for uh, the Biden family. Hey, what's going on at Project Veritas? Those guys are great. I hear that uh, James O'Keefe, who I've never met, but man, oh man, oh man, have you seen those videos? See that video of him confronting uh, the Pfizer employee who boasts about manipulating the RNA and all kinds of stuff? Ooh, that's good. But apparently um, he's not that good at managing the office. Is that what I'm hearing? All right. Uh, that's what the fake news is saying. So you got to take it with a great big grain of salt. Um, the hearing is not yet. Uh, no, it's not yet. All right. Let's take a call. Um, John in Staten Island. Yeah, hi. Uh, hey, Greg. Uh, I wanted to mention in regards to Santos, uh, I, I, another thing, too, besides Santos, uh, the guy, uh, what's his name, uh, Romney, uh, when he mentioned uh, that you know he shouldn't be in office, why, is, why does Romney get a chance to go from Massachusetts to get to uh, Utah? That sounds like a carpetback, like uh, Hillary Clinton went from Arkansas to New York. And they automatically think they, they own the place. Yeah, rich people will do that. That's a real rich guy routine. You know who pulled that off? A guy named William Weld. Anybody remember him? He was governor of Massachusetts. Governor of Massachusetts. He, he rose to fame because he dissed Bush, which is okay by me. I forgot what it was about. He was a U.S. attorney, and he quit. And it was a big deal story, and... He quit and became the governor of Massachusetts. And then he came to New York. He ran for governor here. Does anybody remember this guy? And he ran one of those fly-by-night colleges that ripped the kids off and take all kinds of uh, all kinds of aid. It's a real rich guy move. And William Weld, a lot like uh, Romney, rich, oh, not only rich, blue blood, patrician, you know? They can trace their ancestors all the way back to the pilgrims, that kind of thing, or beyond, or King Edward, or whatever. And some of those people are great, but a lot of them are snobs. Anyway, hey, uh, John, it's legal, though. You are allowed to do that. If you can go to Utah and convince enough of those people to vote for you, yeah. you, can, you, can, you, can, you can do that. Yeah, but then meanwhile, Santos, when you get him on tonight, 
look, he got the votes, and that's what counts. He got the votes compared to the guy he was going against and against Tom Swazi too. Swazi was a big Democrat guy in Long Island out there, and uh, he got taken out because, you know what, people are sick of what the Democrats were doing out there. So Santos does deserve a chance, and if anything, Romney doesn't deserve another chance. Uh, I kind of agree with you. I, I, I agree with you. I want to I, look. I'm curious to meet this guy. I really am. And oh, by the way, yeah, he did something. You may he won a seat. And did I say this a moment ago? He he, he flipped. It was blue. He made it red. And he did something that George W. Bush tried to do but failed. George W. Bush tried to become a uh, a congressman, failed. Bill Clinton tried to become a congressman, failed. Barack Obama tried to become a congressman, failed. George Santos tried to become a congressman and succeeded. That's something else. So it's going to be a different kind of, you know, look, there are things to talk about. And I am curious. And you know what? You can't be, uh, look, every, what do they say? Every saint, every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past. Thank you, John. I'll do another one. Um, hmm, uh, Joe? In the Poconos, where? The Pennsylvania side, the Jersey side, the New York side? Where are the Poconos anyway? They're in Pennsylvania, right? Yes. All right, so what's up? Yeah, it's me. The movie, The Red Balloon. You got to see it. I saw it. About that French kid, the French kid and the bullies and all over Paris, that one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that movie when I was a kid. What, What about it? Well, the way they they, they, uh, crushed the blue, some... A kid uh, slingshotted it, then it fell to the ground, and they all stomped on it. Yeah. Well, I just think it's like, uh, like, yeah, you know, like Joe Biden should have taken down the red balloon, like the the, the kids did. No, you know? no, 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 no. You're missing the point of the red balloon entirely. All right, the hero in the red balloon was the balloon and the kid, the sweet kid. You remember the bullies. The bullies destroyed that balloon, and all the all the balloons all over Paris knew that that balloon shouldn't have been destroyed. If we did the red balloon scenario, you know what would have happened after we shot down that balloon? A thousand other what? China balloons would have come to America. That's the plot line in the red balloon, which I bet you can find on YouTube. I, I, no, no, that's true, Joe. I, Joe, you're, you're doing errands. You, you, you have not thought this through. You're doing errands in the garage. You have not thought this through. You don't remember the red balloon like I do. It's a very sweet movie, but it's not It's not along the lines of what you're talking about. Thank you, though. Thank you, pal. Uh, let's. Okay. Oh, Sandra's standing by. Sandra, yes, indeed. Oh, okay, man, with that buzzing say. again. I'm so sorry, Sandra. I can't stand this buzzing. Why? What's going on? I don't know. I, I think it's well, happening on your end. Well, it's my maybe it's my ear pause. I don't know. All right, so what's um, up? Sure. Okay, one George Fetterman is in the hospital. He had he felt a lot, very dizzy, and they were concerned about another. Stress. I can't so hear you. I'm it. so sorry, Sandra. I can't do it with this static. What is going on? Call right back. You've got that special number. Call right back, and let's see if we can uh, straighten that out. Um, thank you. Did she say Fetterman or Fetterman was in the hospital? I saw him at the uh, State of the Union. He actually wore pants. Huh? How about that? He actually put on a pair of pants. That's fantastic. Um, People are upset at me because I told Jamie Raskin, who I acknowledge the guy has cancer and we all want him to get better. 
I definitely want him to get better. And I've wished him, this is like the third time, not that he knows me, but he's a public figure and we talk about him and I want Jamie Raskin to get better. I also said he's sharp. I also said that this is a force to be reckoned with in Jamie Raskin. He's crazy. Democrat from Maryland. And I said having him on that oversight committee is actually what democracy is all about. It's it is you need you need it's an adversarial system. You got to have cross examination. You got to have counter arguments. Unlike that phony baloney January sixth stuff. But have you noticed what he's wearing lately? He's wearing a because uh, he's going through chemo, which is you know that's a really difficult process. And uh, but he chose to wear for a head covering a do rag. And I'm telling you, anybody who has seen this anywhere, he looks like that guy. Who's the guy in the in the um, Bruce Springsteen band who wears it that way? R- Ronnie Ray Zant or something like that. Stevie, he wears it like that. And, yeah, Stevie, and he it just it's so uncongressional. Not that he's, he, and I I said he needs to be wearing a hat. And uh, left wing media went bananas. I just I actually love it. I enjoy it, and they get so angry. And you know what they do? They wish cancer on me. They said, I hope you get cancer and die. Wait a second. Wait, is that, what's the word? Is that proportional? Here I am saying what everybody else is thinking, obviously, about a rag on his head. It's totally inappropriate in Congress or anywhere else for a guy named Jamie from suburban Maryland. What are you trying to be there, pal? All right, give me a break. Remember where you're from, okay? Potomac, Maryland. He's acting like he's trying to be whatever, whatever. All right. Anyway, we want him to get better. I don't want anybody to have cancer. I want everybody to be happy and live to 100. I wish that were the case, Um, but it's not. Ooh, wait a second. I usually have people wait in line a little bit longer to to get on the phone, but uh, Leo is calling about one of the most intriguing films, uh, Falcon and the Snowman. Uh, Why do you bring that up? Hello, Leo. Hello, Leo. Greg, it's just uh, I I feel like it's uh, a little bit similar story to Joe and his son, because uh, Sean Penn is playing the middleman who actually was collecting money from Russians for the secret papers leaking out of uh, of the government from uh, CIA, I believe, was uh, Falcon. And, uh, and uh, David Bowie made a very good song, uh, This Is Not America, from that movie. Yeah, it's got a great soundtrack, totally. I don't think, uh, look, what was it about? Um Timothy Hutton and Sean Penn. Timothy Hutton worked at the satellite company, and uh, he was giving it to Sean Penn, and they were giving all the stuff to the Russians. Did you know those guys were released from jail? They were both released from jail. I know, I know. They're, they're out and about right now. They're, 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 yep, they went away, And um, but a great soundtrack. You're not wrong. Uh, what's it? What's the name of that? Oh, Pat Metheny. Pat Metheny, or whatever his name is. He's a very, I don't know what it is or how to qualify that music, but it's uh, it appeals to me. And the David Bowie thing, too. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you remind me. Yeah, certain parallels. Um, Jamie Raskin made a pretty strong case. Our side did as well. This is uh, this is James Comer. He's he's great. He's from Kentucky. People want to you know portray him as a goober because he's uh, got a southern accent. I hate that kind of stuff. Did you hear what uh, James Carville said? He's calling uh, Republicans, uh, you know, those who are shouting at Joe Biden. He called us white trash. White trash. Wow, that party. They are so. I actually remember when Bill Clinton described himself as white trash. Some people used to call us white trash. It's really a kind of a touching story. 
You know, he was not from, you know, the right side of the tracks. I actually once went by his house. It was right next door to a bar in a place called Hot Springs, Arkansas. Not Hope. <laughs> it wasn't uh, I'm from a place called Hope. No, you're from Hot Springs. And uh, there's a lot, actually, believe it or not, to admire about the but about Bill Clinton. But he he, he complained about that. People uh, people called him white trash. All right. Here's um, what's his name? Comer. Listen to this. He's great. Cut 24, please. Cut 24. In reality, the Twitter executives were hostile towards conservatives and biased towards anyone who opposed their points of view. For example, Mr. Roth, did you write this tweet? And I'll read the tweet so it's in the record. Yes, that person in the pink hat is clearly a bigger threat to your brand of feminism than actual Nazis in the White House. Mr. Roth, do you think all conservatives are Nazis? Certainly not, sir. What about the hundreds of people who worked in the Trump administration? Certainly not. It appears to me that you you failed at your jobs. You were entrusted with the highest level of power at Twitter, but when you were faced with the New York Post story, instead of allowing people to judge the information for themselves, you rushed to find a reason why the American people shouldn't see it. In a matter of hours, you were deciding on the truth of a story that spans years and dozens of complex international transactions. You did this because you were terrified of Joe Biden not winning the election in, in 2020. That's what it appeared. I love it. I love it. Good for him. Now, these things take a while. This is not as dramatic and sexy, oh, by the way, as the January 6th uh, stuff, because it's not all scripted ahead of time. They're not in cahoots with the other side. Uh, so it's it's slow, it's plotting, and that's what oversight is supposed to be, actually. And uh, th- these guys are on more than on notice. Uh, things change. New regulations. Look, I think Twitter is too big. I think we should take it over. Hell, if Alexander Graham Bell only said people who agree with him politically could talk on the telephone, we would have taken the telephone away from him. And we should do the same thing with these big companies, Twitter, Facebook, and the rest. I'll be back. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. That's me. I can't believe it. The George Santos thing. Oh, wow. Everybody wants me to talk to George Santos. Well, tune in tonight at 10. He'll be on the show. Uh, I also loved, uh, who are the, uh, Jim Jordan. Um, I actually almost consider him a friend. I've only met him once, but uh, I've interviewed him a whole bunch and he's taken on this guy, Baker, from the FBI. Baker's a lawyer, I think a real scoundrel. I think it's quite clear at this point. He is a, a, a Democrat operative who inserts himself into uh, the federal agency, the FBI, at the right time, in the, at the right place, to make sure that the Hunter Biden laptop story doesn't go anywhere. And then he goes over to Twitter to make doubly sure that the Hunter Biden laptop story doesn't go anywhere. And now that he's caught, <laughs> like a lot of snakes, he's very, very slippery, and he knows how to avoid trouble. Jim Jordan, um, listen to what happens here. Congressman Jim Jordan uh, challenging this guy, Baker. Uh, cut 27, please. 
You know what I think happened, Mr. Roth? I think, I think you guys got played. I think you guys wanted to, wanted to take it deep down. We saw what, what the chairman put up where you said, you know, everyone in the White House is, an, is a fascist. I think you guys wanted it to t- be taken down. I think you meet with these guys every week. We know that's been established in the Twitter files. You had weekly meetings with Mr. Chan in the run-up to the election. They send you all kinds of emails. They send you documents on the super secret James Bond teleporter. You get information on that. I think you guys wanted to take it down. I think you guys got played by the FBI. And that's the scary part. All right. And actually, all right, that that was good, too. Uh, Now, here's the part where he's going after the uh, Jim Baker. Cut 29. Mr. Baker, you said you didn't talk with the FBI that day. Did you talk to the FBI about the Hunter Biden laptop story prior to then or after that day? I... um... I'm trying to make sure I can answer this question consistent with the restrictions that I talked about in my opening. Simple question. You yeah. talked to the FBI about the Hunter Biden story. I do. To the best of my recollection, I did not talk to the FBI about the Hunter Biden story uh, before that day. You talked to him after it. You said you're, you're, I don't your response recall. is real. Your response is real specific to the chairman. You said I did not talk to the FBI about the Hunter Biden laptop story that day. I assume that day is October 14th. I want to know if you talked to him on the 13th or before or if you talked to him on the 15th and after. I don't recall speaking to the FBI sitting here today. I don't recall speaking to the FBI at all about the Hunter Biden matter. Well, then why did you, answer, you answer it the way you did? I beg your pardon? Uh, I yield back. To- I yield back. I yield back. He knew he was not going to get anywhere with this guy because he's a liar and he's a pro at deception. Offering all those little caveats. Uh, sitting here today, I can't say, all right, fine. <laughs> we know when we're being lied to. We know when we're being deceived. And uh, we do. And it happens all the time. Mainstream media may be in denial, may be in ultra-protection mode. We are not. And it's glorious. I'll be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, we're back. Weaponization of the FBI. Some whistleblowers have stepped forward. Um, About time we hear from them. Well, what did the FBI do, by the way? Uh, Well, um, they tried to sabotage two elections. Uh, They uh, colluded with mainstream media Democrats, uh, the Russia hoax. All right, there's that. Um, Oh, and the censorship, the censorship, these guys encouraging Twitter to follow up on Alec Baldwin's Twitter account. I mean, <laughs> we have other things going on. Now, I want to hear this, if you don't mind. Uh, this is uh, the hearing that's underway right now. Chuck Grassley is one of the uh, uh, witnesses. Uh, just tap into it. Someone's speaking. Uh, I want to hear a little bit of this. These things can get very boring. And you know what? They're supposed to be boring. It's okay. It's okay, but sometimes there are fireworks. Go ahead, please. Function properly. Now, Congress and the Justice Department, both where I worked for a long time, have recognized this principle. The Justice Department has attempted throughout the years to balance satisfying legitimate legislative interests with protecting the executive branch's confidentiality interests. 
An obvious example arises when disclosure of case materials from an open criminal case. All right, or I told you it was boring. <laughs> I just, I mean, and that's okay. That's okay. You know, it's just, it's not, it's more than just fireworks. It's more than just uh, arguments, although they can be really good. In fact, I got a moment right here. You know, when the FBI starts telling Twitter uh, that they have to reduce or shadow ban um, uh, comments from Lauren Boebert, who's a superstar lawmaker from Colorado, right? You know her? Uh, she's she's amazing, and I want to hear from her. And big tech saying, no, that's a this is a real problem. They're messing with the wrong country, everybody. Cut 28, cut 28. For members of Congress to be shadow banned, it had to go before you, Mr. Roth. So I'll ask again, did you shadow ban my account? Yes or no? Again, not to the best of my recollection. So the answer is, Mr. Roth, yes, you did. I found out last night from Twitter staff that you suppressed my account. You silenced members of Congress from communicating with their constituents. You, you silenced me from communicating with the American people over a freaking joke. Now, who the hell do you think that you are? Good for you. Good for you. Who do they think they are? Um, they think they're masters of the universe. Remember that? Who remembers the master of the universe? Tom Wolfe invented the master of the universe. These people who make a lot of money and think that, uh, well, they're so, uh, they must be amazing because they're getting paid all this money, that they rule the world, rule the universe. And then they're humbled. Happens all the time. They get humbled. And uh, I think you saw some of that right there. Uh, and they deserve it. Uh, now, will this all make a difference? Will this all make a difference? It's possible that it won't. It's possible. But the historic record must reflect what happened. I, I, I just, it has to be documented for the ages. And we know, you might have a guy like Baker lying through his teeth and Yoel Roth lying and, and the, the deceitfulness of it all. Hey, how about not allowing us access to medicine, information about medicine? This is Nancy Mace. She's a bit of a rhino, but uh, on this stuff, I really like her. She had a horrible reaction to the vaccine that she's still living with. She still has side effects. She still got problems from the vaccine. I had a horrible reaction to the vaccine as well. Fortunately, I, I got out of it after about 36 hours. Who the hell's Twitter or anybody? Saying what you and I can't read. Cut 26. May I ask of you, where did you go to medical school? I did not go to medical school. I'm sorry. I did not go to medical school. That's what I thought. Why do you think you or anyone else at Twitter had the medical expertise to censor a doctor's expert opinion? Our policies regarding COVID were designed to protect individuals. We were seeing- You guys censored Harvard-educated doctors, Stanford-educated doctors, doctors that are educated in the best places in the world, and you silenced those voices. My next question is to the U.S. government. Oh, excuse me. I have another chart I want to show you, Ms. Gaddy. Um, I have another tweet by someone with a following of a full 18,000 followers. This person put a chart from the CDC on Twitter. It's the CDC's own data, so it's accurate by your standards. And you all labeled this as misleading. You're not a doctor, right, Ms. Gaddy? 
No, I'm not. Okay. What makes you think you or anyone else of Twitter have the medical expertise to censor actual, accurate CDC data? I'm not familiar with these particular situations. Yeah, I'm sure you're not. I'm sure you're not. <laughs> uh, good for her. Good for her. Hey, little things from the State of the Union that I did not catch. Did you know we got Ty- Tyree Nichols' name wrong? Tyree Nichols was the guy who was beaten up in Memphis, right? Murdered by those cops. Tyree Nichols. Simple enough. Cut two. What did Joe say? Let's commit ourselves to make the words of Tyler's mom true. Something good in this. Something good. Yeah, that was Tyler. His name is Tyree, but he said Tyler. I wonder how Tyler's mom felt at that moment. My son's not named Tyler. It's Tyree. Even got me saying it. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I'm not giving the State of the Union address right now. Okay, how about the, what happened here? Cut uh, three, please. Cut three, a lame attempt at a joke. By the way, Chief Justice, I may need a court order. She gets to go to the, the game tomorrow, uh, next week. I have to stay home. <laughs> got to work something out here. Um, no, Joe. No, 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 no. Uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah, Paul Pelosi getting hit in the head. Paul Pelosi getting hit in the head in his living room is uh, is MAGA's fault, right? It's, it's Trump's fault. Cut four. The last few years, our democracy has been threatened and attacked, put at risk, put to the test in this very room on January the 6th. And then just a few months ago, an unhinged big lie, assailant unleashed a political violence, the home of the then Speaker of the House of Representatives. Using the very same language the insurrectionists used as they stalked these halls and chanted on January 6th. Here tonight in this chamber is a man who bears the scars of that brutal attack, but is as tough and as strong and as resilient as they get. My friend Paul Pelosi. And everybody goes crazy for Paul Pelosi, who's wearing a hat, by the way. You should give a hat like that to Jamie Raskin, still wearing that do-rag. Uh, using the same language that they used on January 6th. Yeah, English. No. <laughs> oh. Why was Paul Pelosi drinking with Dave the Pape in the foyer of his house? Foyer, foyer. Is it foyer or foyer? Why? Why did the authorities get everything wrong about that case when they were trying to inform, trying to inform the public? That speech was a disaster. Now, this guy used to be normal. I actually, This guy actually worked for Mike Bloomberg at one point on criminal justice issues. Jonathan Carl, uh, oh, that's Jonathan Kimber. Jonathan Carl, what do you think? What do you think of the speech, of the great big speech, where we heard all, that, uh, all those lies, all those screw-ups? Uh, cut five, please. Cut five. This was a highly unusual State of the Union address, but this is one of the best speeches that Joe Biden has delivered as president. He came across as optimistic, hopeful. Uh, He seemed to be having a good time up there. And even when he was delivering some of those harsh attacks on Republicans, he was doing it with a smile. Not the name calling he's done in the past. There was no talk of MAGA, you know, extremists, ultra MAGA Republicans. Uh, And the reaction to the from the Republicans Uh, At least the backbench Republicans who were heckling him and jeering him played exactly into his message. They made the contrast. He was able to, for a moment anyway, George, portray the Republican opposition as a bunch of angry hecklers, uh, people that that, that were bitter and rude. We don't like being uh, lied to. 
Maybe Jonathan Carl is totally comfortable with that. I guess they after all, he works for uh, George Stephanopoulos, right? George Stephanopoulos. He's the political director at ABC News. What's the difference? He was a political director at the DNC at the Clinton White House. There's no difference. Um, and I loved it. I loved it to hear him called out in real time. He's lying like crazy. And to hear it finally, finally happen. Because the media won't do it. The media refuse to do it. They're afraid of being yelled at. They're afraid of being made fun of. They're afraid of being accused of being Trump supporters. But our elected representatives, fortunately, were not afraid to do it. Cut 32, please. Cut 32. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. Let me give you anybody who doubts it. Contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. Liar! Did you hear that in the back? Liar! I believe that was MTG. I love that woman. I really think she's great. Yes, I know. What's his name? Uh, Jim, James Carville. Boy, James Carville. I guess all the money went to his head. Remember when he used to be uh, kind of a good old boy? You know, it's the economist, stupid. Remember that guy? Well, he's gone full-on woke. And here he is. <laughs> if I were, if I looked and sounded like... Uh, James Carville. I don't think I'd be pointing at anybody and saying white trash. Just saying. Anyway. Bad guy. Um, But here's what we're up against. We're up against a lot. But this guy on MSNBC Reporter actually reveals a lot. He, because the things that we're concerned about will always be downplayed and minimized and uh, they'll make excuses for... So culturally, it's very hard for us to move the needle, the proverbial needle. Uh, Donald Trump blew up the scale, and they can't have that happen again. Listen to how this guy describes it. I don't like him. He's, all, he's very, very fake. Uh, he's liberal. But his analysis is not wrong. Cut 30, please. Cut 30. This weaponization of government committee is diving into issues, though, that have not had the same cultural reach beyond kind of Fox News and the Republican right. Republicans are trying to push these issues into mainstream conversation, and it's become a bit of a topic among Democrats as to how do you counteract that and how seriously do you take it? They will not let it into the mainstream, and they'll always portray it as yeah, right wing. I think the guy next said tinfoil hats. Uh, and that kind of thing. I'm sorry, Rob is standing by in North Haven, Connecticut. What's uh, what's up, Greg? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Uh, uh, I have a story to tell you and a suggestion to make. Quickly, um, it's too bad you didn't start out in Utica, New York, uh, instead of Binghamton. Uh, what did I miss out on in Utica? Well, the reason. Um, uh, Rudy Giuliani was talking about it the other day about how great it was. Uh, and your friend Andrew Giuliani's mom was a reporter at WKTV in Utica when she was a young woman just starting out. All right, that's nice. Um, I mean, there are a lot of nice towns across America. I can't live in, in, in the mall. I'm that's right. true, but okay, but, but to the point, I know you're talking about raising your daughters and you want a wholesome, uh, wonderful experience. Utica, New York is a Big, small town. Mm. It's a quarter of a million hey, people. Hey, I'm sorry. Area. Utica has problems. It doesn't, there's no geographical solution. And by the way, actually, Utica, isn't that where 
that crazy kid uh, murdered that young girl and took pictures of it and put it on Facebook? Didn't that happen in Utica not too long ago? There was was crime. Wait, didn't that that happen in Utica, right? I'm not familiar exactly. What's with you in Utica? You're from Connecticut. What's going on? No, we moved here to be close to our daughter's family. But anyways, my, my point is, I'm not, I don't remember that story. We've had a lot of issues. Utica is like the dang, Rodney Dangerfield of the state. But the beauty of Utica is— All right, uh, I, I'm not interested in Utica. I can't—I'm sorry. I know you mean well. I know you're trying to help me. But, you know, I, I think about my friend Jim from Afton. You know what? He told me he lives on a farm. Perfect, beautiful, bucolic setting. And his daughter got hooked on weed. I mean, uh, I, 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 I don't know. I'm not interested. I mean, no, the, uh, uh, the, what? Most of Utica. The I, 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 I can't talk about Utica anymore. I'm sorry, Rob. Goodbye. Thank you, though. Thank you. I know your heart's in the right place. You want me to raise great kids. I do, too. Uh, Utica is not the answer to all of my problems. Uh, but uh, thank you for calling. Keep in touch, though. I, I, I do appreciate it. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yep. Hey, what's going on at the fire department? Did you hear about this? For some reason, they made a woman who never fought a fire in her life the commissioner of the fire department. Her name is Laura Cavanaugh, 40 years old. Uh, she, <laughs> what is she? She's a, uh, she's a political campaign operative. She worked for Michelle Obama. She works in Democrat politics. You know, anytime you think uh, Eric Adams is reasonable, lose that thought immediately, okay? He's not reasonable. He's a kook. He's crazy. Uh, he knows nothing. He can do uh, nothing. Uh, every now and then, I guess the one thing he can do is fool portions of conservative media. He can do that. And he knows how to make news for about an hour and a half. Ooh, Eric Adams said something that sounds very reasonable. Well, this wasn't reasonable. Making a uh, a civilian who never fought a fire the head of the the fire department. There are certain agencies where you can. It's mostly you got to know you got to know something about firefighting to be the fire commissioner. I knew something was up very early on. In fact, her first day on the job, her very first day on the job, the the moment she became the fire commissioner, I knew something was very very weird and wrong. With that situation. Hey, by the way, what's so what's happening? A lot of chiefs are resigning. They're resigning as she demoted a bunch of people. And then the other chief said, screw this. We're out. And it's kind of interesting when you're a chief. uh, After a certain rank, you're promoted on the discretion, the basis of whether the commissioner thinks you deserve the promotion or not. Um, That's above and beyond the civil service exam, right? So you got to take a test to become a firefighter. Then you got to take another test for promotion and another test to be promoted beyond that and another test to be promoted beyond that. And then if you want to make chief, though, that's up to the commissioner and sometimes the mayor. So some of these chiefs are saying, screw this. I'm going back to being a captain. And you can't touch me. I'm protected by the civil service. And it sounds to me like they've got good reason. This woman does not know how to lead, does not know how to run a fire department. And again, I knew that something was up and weird the moment she became the commissioner. Now, why is that? Uh, having seen commissioners sworn in before, I kind of know the optics and what that occasion is like. I noticed this. There was not one man in the room. Not one male. Not one humanoid with testicles was present. Zero. Seventy women and not one man. Now, that's weird. 
And that's really strange. And the fire department? I mean, <laughs> the fire department is 95% male. And there's a reason for that. We can talk about that. But it was very much, okay, uh-oh, this is a, I even did something on my Newsmax show about it. I'm like, this is odd. Where, where are all the men at? <laughs> and uh, anyway, yes, she's crashing and burning. Uh, thanks a lot, Eric. From what I'm told, he didn't do much better uh, with his uh, other departments, like the police department. I'll be back. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Man, these uh, pit bull dogs. I know people love them, but man, they kind of scare me. And I see these videos all the time. Uh, they're mauling people. I know they. The people. Did the people do something wrong? I don't know. I've seen a couple of pit bulls lately. They look at me kind of funny. I, I already told you about Burt Bacharach. Every, I mean, everyone's talking about him. Uh, dead, uh, married to Angie Dickinson, had a beautiful daughter who died tragically. Um, what a man. Do we have any, uh, we should, just longevity, the way he talked about his daughter. And I think I said, did I tell you what the, what the end of it, why I thought of him last night? I was going by, oh yeah, that's right, the the George Santos thing. Like George Santos, it would have been really nice if Mitt Romney had said, hey, you know what? We should talk. Let's get a cup of coffee. I want to I want to give you some advice. I, I need to talk to you. Let's come on. Come on. Let's have a talk. And um, there are a million places to go when you're a senator and a congressman. million offices. They could go off of Capitol Hill. They could get a coffee. They could even duck into a movie. For some reason, I, I saw a movie theater. I went by a movie theater. I'm like, yeah, they could go to the movies. Because Bob Carey, senator of Nebraska, used to hang out in the movie theater between votes. And I thought about when the hell the last time is I went to a movie, and it's been three years. I mean, I've not been, nobody goes to the theater anymore. And then I thought about Mitt Romney and George Santos going to the movies. And I'm like, guys really don't go to the movies together, right? Although, at one point you do. And I, I remember going to the movies when I was in the Marine Corps with my buddies. And that's the last time I, I really remember going with a dude to the movies. And guess what? It was Austin Powers. And I'm like... Burt Bacharach was in that, and I just Googled him last night to find out if he was alive, and now he's dead, married to Angie Dickinson, and that beautiful daughter, and unfortunately lost in very tragic circumstances. Pete from Piscataway, uh, hi. Hello, Greg. Um, I watched your show last night, and you covered all the things that the committee um, um, talked to on the investigation to Twitter. And all the cuts that you did today on your radio show. Yeah. And last night I came to the conclusion that this was a waste of taxpayers' money and a waste of taxpayers' time. All right, Pete. What would you? What would you? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. uh, Pete. Pete. I'm going to put you on hold. Waste of taxpayers' money. Um, Pete. You do know that oversight. Like this is. It may not be sexy. It may not yield immediate results. But this is part of what they have to do. This is part of their responsibility. How would you prefer that money be spent? 
get the um, take the money and the investigation with Rudy Giuliani and Hunter's um, laptop and go right for the juggler. All right, thanks, Pete. Pete, 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 thanks. I mean, I don't think you understand. <sighs> I, I right for the jugular you want, huh? All right, uh, I want that information as well. Wait. You say give the money to Rudy Giuliani? Isn't it amazing how uh, Rudy is so relevant? My goodness gracious, they do commercials about, I mean, uh, commercials for the documentaries. There are two documentaries about Rudy, one on CNN and a four-part series on MSNBC. All right, Pete, um, say something else. Wait a minute. No, no. Take the money for an investigation into Hunter Biden's laptop that Julie Ani has. All right. See where we go. We'll get because you said it. Thanks. You said it yourself. What? You said it yourself that uh, Jim Jordan knew he wasn't getting anywheres with Baker. Well, they should have been smart enough to know that they weren't getting anywheres with anybody of those witnesses. Right, relax, that man. Relax. I'm, 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 I'm as fired up. As, well, I, I guess I'm not as fired up as you. Uh, I just, Pete, hang in there. It's going to be okay. Uh, think long term. You got to get these witnesses in. And by the way, sometimes you can get them perjuring themselves. And that's, uh, that's never a good idea. But, um, you know. Anyway, uh, Pete, thank you. Let's do uh, Rick in Elmwood Park. Where is that? It's near Saddlebrook and Patterson. Okay, what's up? In New Jersey. Uh, my FBI thing is the Federal the Federal Fascist Bureau of Intimidation. Sorry about that. Fascist Bureau of Intimidation? That's another one, actually. That's another one. that. Uh, what do I have? Friends of Biden Incorporated. Um Forever Bothering Innocence. I think that might be my favorite. Hey, uh, thank you. And I want to go back to 2008, Barack Obama. You know, this is one of the reasons why uh, so many people voted for him, because this is a guy who was going to change the conversation about uh, fatherhood in the African-American community. He could say things that, at the time, very few others felt they could. May we hear that, please? Too many fathers are MIA. Too many fathers are AWOL. Missing from too many lives and too many homes. They've abandoned their responsibilities. They're acting like boys instead of men. You and I know this is true everywhere, but nowhere is it more true than in the African-American community. We know that more than half of all black children live in single-parent households. We know the statistics that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime. They're nine times more likely to drop out of school, 20 times more likely to end up in prison. Wow, those are incredible statistics. Anyway, he dropped the ball on that. Uh, Jesse Jackson threatened him. He never went back. He never went back, never tried. My next guest is trying, uh, and uh, really speaking about fatherhood, um, you know, no matter what your race is, uh, to a mass audience. He's got a great podcast. It's called First Class Fatherhood, hosted by Alec Lace. And uh, it's a really interesting idea. Like, you know, and, and I'm sure a lot of people are like, why didn't I think of that uh, a podcast about fatherhood? Alec Lace, welcome. How are you? Hey, Greg, it's an honor. Thanks for having me on. And Barack Obama goes on in that speech that he gave there to say, you know, some of these are due to the injustices that our people suffered, and those injustices are real, but we cannot keep using that as an excuse. And I thought it was a really great speech by him. We Unfortunately, we never heard about that from him ever again. I know. What a shame. What a shame. 
So, uh, well, how about you? Uh, tell us about yourself and how did you? Why did you start a, a podcast about fatherhood? Well, just exactly what you're talking about. We got a fatherless crisis going on in this country. Too many kids are growing up without a father or a father figure in their life, and we're trying to solve all these other social issues, Greg. Uh, but unless we get to the root of all of this, it, which is the nuclear family unit, then we're going to be running around in circles. You could throw money at it all you want, but unless you get dads back involved in their kids' lives, uh, none of that's going to change. We'll be running around in circles. So that's uh, I started the show. I, a lot of young men always say the same thing when I tell them I got four kids. They, tell them, they look at me like I got four heads. And they look at fatherhood and starting a family as something they want to avoid and not something they want to embrace. So I wanted to put a message out there. Uh, where I interview all these high-profile celebrities, athletes, and they say, you know, despite all these accomplishments, uh, it's been through having children and becoming a father that's given me the most fulfillment in life. So those are the stories I try to capture on the show. Hmm. And uh, from what you know about fatherhood, uh, you know, look, I'm uh, I'm a new, relatively new. I got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. We try our best. Everybody tries their best. Uh, you make mistakes. You've talked to a lot of fathers about raising kids. What's a what's a common mistake or what what's something that a lot of dads do that they shouldn't do? Well, there's listen, it's a learning process. Like you said you're a new dad. I, my oldest now is a junior in high school and and so many of the dads it's a, it's a learning opportunity to go through. And a lot of times we'll make the mistake. I do I did this quite often. Like I'll be giving my kids like a philosophical uh answer for why they shouldn't do what they do and they're looking at me and I might as well just talk to the wall. You know, it's keep it short, keep it simple. You realize that, you know, you're talking to uh a child, you want to talk to them in a normal fashion, not give them any kind of baby talk, but you want to talk to them, but make it short, make it quick. And I think as you get on with your, your, your parenting journey, you start to realize, just get to the point here, and these kids will respond mm-hmm. a little bit differently. But uh, discipline is definitely uh, uh, something that has changed. I know growing up myself, uh, if I ever broke a window, I would rather the police get me than my father get me. I, w- I grew up with that, just wait till your father gets home. And sometimes that was enough to keep you in line, and I think a lot of kids are missing that today. <laughs> All right, so... Um... Hey, wait, tell us about your, um, what is your day job? You got a, you got another gig besides all this. Yeah, I, I work for the railroad. So I'm a railroad mechanic. I work on the diesel locomotives. I do that during the day. I, I drive, uh, oh, I do that at night. And then on the weekends, I'll drive Uber as a side hustle and stuff like that. And then I do the podcast in between. And so uh, it, it brings up, and I, I want to bring up this too, Greg, because I just got back from Phoenix. I was out there at the Super Bowl interviewing all the dads that are going to be playing in the game, the, the players, the coaches. And one of the big things that they're talking about is it's the first time, and this goes to your point with the Obama speech, uh, that there's two black quarterbacks playing against one another. And they're using this, and they're building it up, saying here's one article uh, from the Shadow League that says, the Hurts father and son athletic dynamic largely dispels the myth about black absentee father and other harmful black family tropes. And so they're trying to say, look, see, there's no uh, problem in the African-American community with fatherless uh, homes. We have two uh, black quarterbacks that grew up with dads. So there goes that idea. <laughs> there's no myth. There's no myth about this thing. It, 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 is, it is imperative. And, and nowhere, and just like Obama said, nowhere is it more apparent than in the African-American community. And to try to avoid that or call it a myth, and these guys, the NFL, the players, they have such a huge platform they should have had uh, Jalen Hurts' dad, Patrick Mahomes' dad, front and center, major interview with them about how important it was for them to be present in their kids' lives. And they really missed a big opportunity. Wow, that's, that's fascinating. And they're, they're saying it's a trope. It's a trope. I wonder how many of them have heard this, uh, this 
somewhat famous, it should be more famous, speech by Barack Obama. In a way, it should not be famous at all because it should have been the theme of his presidency, uh, but he chose to uh, burnish his own brand. Uh, Well, that's fascinating. Hey, how about this? You know, you can do everything right. You can do everything right as a dad, as a mom, and sometimes kids are going to screw up. I mean, they're just – it's the environment, uh, school, peer pressure, peer influence I have read before – is just as, if not more important, more significant than uh, than parental influence. What do you think of that? Do you buy that? Well, yeah, well, there's no doubt that today, because you have social media that's been just uh, a detriment to so many kids out there. I mean, they're comparing themselves to these uh, utopian ideologies or these utopian uh, versions of what they're seeing on there. And, and yeah, they have. if your kids are getting access to social media, you could try as a parent to keep them away from the Internet as much as possible and away from social media. Once they get into the school system, once one kid has a phone with social media, they have access to all of that. So it definitely has an – that's why they call them influencers. They they have an influence on people's uh, – their thought process. And for young kids that aren't developed yet uh, to handle some of these complex issues, uh, it could definitely be a detriment, specifically if they're being raised in a single-parent household or in in a household where both parents are working and none of them are ever home. Hey, so you went out to the, you went out for the game. You, you, you did all the pre-interviews. You came home before the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I I could stay for the game, but it would I would have to stay out there all week. And if I could bring one of my kids with me and get them access into it, then okay. But the only day I had access to the players and coaches was on Monday, so I just do that. And, I, and also, they're building this up as the Kelsey Bowl because it's the first time that two brothers are playing against each other in the game, Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey. So I did an interview with their father, a really, really great interview. But even at the event, you would never know these kids had a father, the way the media is playing it up. They had their mom on the stage. The dad was nowhere to be seen. Uh, All the talk is about their mom. And so I did a really great interview with their dad, who was a present father, a great father. And and then I talked to both of his kids that are playing in the game about their dad uh, growing up. Why is why do you think that is? Why are dads de-emphasized? And it looks like, boy, oh boy, when it comes to custody battles, I've heard this a lot. Uh, men, uh, males, the father, they're at the short end of the stick, whether they're the father of the year or they're not so hot. It's very, very difficult uh, in terms of custody when those issues come up. Greg, that's the number one email I get from dads all over the country, day in and day out, as dads pouring their heart out about how uh, they've gotten financially strapped, humiliated, and they are fighting the, the, the good fight here to try to stay involved and present in their kids' lives. But it, the, the family court system in this country is corrupt. Uh, it has got to be revamped in some way because dads always start from under the bus. And I'll tell you what, there's a loophole here that you're going to start seeing more and more people take advantage of. Uh, the dad starting to identify as a woman so that he could get the equal fair treatment in the family court. Oh, man. You know, uh, I, I kind of predicted something like this. Not for that, but I don't know if you saw the Grammys. There was that alleged transgender woman, and I think she was just a plain old woman, quite frankly. <laughs> I think she said she's transgender to get the uh, status and the power and the money and everything that comes with it. Yeah, we're going to be seeing some uh, – we're, we're going to be seeing more of that. All right. Well, uh, hey, the podcast is available wherever podcasts uh, – you can get them. And by the way, if you don't do podcasts, it's very easy. On your phone, you probably have a a podcast app, and you can just search for First Class Fatherhood. It'll come right up, and seconds later, you could be listening to this thing. It's fantastic. Are there any? Is there a specific way, a preferred way to get the podcast, or does that work, uh, Alec? 
whatever's convenient for them. And I highly recommend listening to the Greg Kelly episode. It was a banger. You can get it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Just Google First Class Fatherhood. It comes up everywhere. Well, you uh, that was a real treat. And you're very good at what you do. So, uh, Alec, we appreciate it. Everybody check out First Class Fatherhood with Alec Lace. And uh, it's not just fatherhood. He's got great uh, insights uh, about a lot of other issues. So, uh, Alec, we thank you very much. Greg, pleasure to be on. Thank you, man. You bet. And we'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I'll be the first to admit President Biden and I don't have a lot in common. I'm for freedom. He's for government control. His administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. Beyond our border from Afghanistan to Ukraine, from North Korea to Iran, President Biden's weakness puts our nation and the world at risk. Isn't she good? She's really good. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And uh, (laughs) how can anybody say this about what you just heard? Uh, here's that Jonathan Capehart guy. Uh, cut six, please. Cut six. This speech, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to levitate from my chair mm. because there were so many. She leaned so hard into the culture wars that she just slid right into ignorance. And for her to say, to revel in the fact that she is an, uh, an alum of Little Rock Central High School and lauding the Little Rock Nine and their statues, they're memorialized when the Republicans, particularly in Florida, but I guess now in Arkansas, are going to make it illegal for students to learn about why the Little Rock Nine are significant and are in bronze in Little Rock. No, This no, speech no. was entirely offensive Ooh. when she talked about— Offensive. You know, All right, that's good. Re- offensive. If that's the—oh, God, if you're, offense, if you're offended, oh, that's— that's a narcotic these days. Oh, that feels good. Uh, by the way, Governor DeSantis is all for uh, learning about the Little Rock Nine uh, and what happened there and that uh, poor little girl and an amazing moment when troopers, actual National Guard soldiers, escorted her into that, um, that school. An amazing moment in American history. Uh, we just don't want the kids learning about uh, queer theory, okay? <laughs> And trans folk queer theory as to it pertains to Black Lives Matter. Yeah, look it up. There's a whole thing about that, and it doesn't belong in public school. Uh, I got to go across the street. Uh, I'm going to be meeting uh, uh, George Santos, the congressman. And I just might give him a copy of my book, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, Justice for All, by me, Greg Kelly. Still available wherever books are sold. And I appreciate it so much because we're on track. We're on track. We're doing good, but we've got a ways to go. Uh, to get that next book contract. Yep. I uh, all right. I'm, I'm, my all my cards are on the table. Um, let's see, Chuck in Woodbridge, real quick. Hi, Greg Kelly. Yes. So honored, so honored to speak with you. I just wanted to say that I'm so happy to hear that you have George Santos on tonight on your show. I listen to you uh, every day, every afternoon, every evening, and I just have to say that uh, I am. Unfortunately, uh, in the state with our our Senator Blumenthal, who's lied about going to Vietnam. I have family, friends that went there. Uh, a couple of people died. Most of my friends had died when they came back uh, due to all kinds of problems. 
And just the other thing, I mean, I mean, I, I think maybe George Santos is trying to follow in President Biden's shoes. I mean, you know, start lying, and one day he could be president. He's got a long you know? way to go, a lot of lies to say, but I, I get your point very good. Chuck, thank you very much. Oh, let's go to Maria in Franklin Square. Yes, hi, welcome back. Hi, Greg, how are you? I'm going to make it really quick, okay? Yeah. Listen, do you remember when they passed that bill about the IRS, they were hiring 87,000 people, mm. blah, blah, blah. Right. And they, were, and they said that they would not go after people that made uh, more, less than four, no, four, uh, more than $450,000 mm-hmm. a year. Less than. Uh, but 400, 400, 400, Newsmax, but yeah, keep going. Last night, yeah. uh, last night on Newsmax, they had two waitresses. That they were auditing, and these girls don't make uh, $450,000 and more. That's the trick. That's the trick. 87,000 IRS agents, they're coming after. Of course they're coming after people who make less than $400,000 a year. That's where, in a weird way, the real money is, okay? There are only so many billionaires out there. And, oh, by the way, they, <laughs> they're they 10 steps ahead of the IRS. They know how to, they know how to play that game. But uh, regular folk, that's who they're after. Hey, Maria, thank you very much. i got to check that out. I didn't see that, uh, that episode. I'll see you tonight. Many thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.